Good morning, Camp Chronology. Ah, I love the smell of a cabin in the morning. Asa, are you stoked for the first day of summer camp? Of course, Joy. I slept in my bathing suit, so I'll wake up ready. That's the kind of genius thinking we're going to need if we're going to have... Ultimate Summer Fun! Okay, I've got my sunscreen, my shades, my flip-flops, my ultrasonic radar-powered mosquito zapper. Was it supposed to do that? No, I think it's supposed to do that. I also have my lakeside reading, 101 Ways to Tell Mayonnaise Lovers They're Wrong. Plus, my towel, my snorkel, my extra-large water bottle for hydrating, and the most crucial of all summer staples. A hat? No! My s'mores cannon! You get a s'more, and you get a s'more, and I get a s'more. Mm. (laughs) Food just tastes better when it's shot out of a cannon, you know? Not soup. Trust me. But... That cannon is definitely ultimate fun. Joy, we're all set for the most epic summer. Oh, no, 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 not today. Don't worry, Asa. It's probably just some clouds in the distance. Oh, wow. It's really coming down out there. Well, I'm sure the storm will pass quickly. Attention campers, there's a massive storm overhead that will not pass quickly. Oh no, summer's ruined. No, it's not. We can still have ultimate fun. We'll just splash in puddles. Update, the rain caused the camp's beehive to fall over and now there are bees swarming everywhere. We'll just wear thick rubber suits and now hungry bears are looking for the bees' honey. We'll... And there's mudslides. And sinkholes, probably. Just whatever you're thinking, don't. Just just stay inside, okay? <laughs> Have a camp-tastic day. This is it. Summer is literally trash now. We are having zero fun. And listen, I really needed this summer to be awesome, amazing, you know? I get it. I was looking forward to this, too. Here, I know how to make you feel better. A hug? Better. Sympathy s'mores! This is Forever Ago, where we explore the before. I'm Joy Dolo. And I'm Asa. I guess, whatever. Ah, I'm sorry this terrible weather is bumming you out. The camp counselor said it should pass in a few hours. It's just bringing up a lot of bad memories. You know, in 2020, when the coronavirus shut everything down? I had big plans that summer, too. And all of them were canceled. I was hoping to make up for lost time this year. Oof, yeah. 2020 was a hard year. It really was. People were worried. Some people got really sick. Some even lost loved ones. Being stuck inside is reminding me of all that. But luckily, this is just a temporary indoor moment. I mean, you wouldn't get it. You're like a full adult. You lived through, what, 50, 100 summers? Wow, Asa, actually, I... I've only had a few. I don't want to miss out on another. Yeah, I totally get it. Well, how about we focus on all the things we'll do when the rain clears? Asa, what are your favorite things to do in the summer? Stay at home, uh, sleep, um, eat. 
Re- you sleep, repeat. sleep during the summer. <laughs> well, what about like, do you like any sports or swimming or anything like that? Oh, I am doing basketball in the summer. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. So you like basketball and then you take a nap and then you eat something and then you basketball. Yeah. And do you like to hike or anything like that? Oh, absolutely not. I, I have asthma. I have <laughs> asthma. Nope. Oh, so hiking isn't for you. Do you have a dream summer getaway, like a vacation? Um, probably to Los Angeles because I have a few friends there. Oh, that sounds like fun. I bet it's not raining there. But hey, I know what we can do until this rain clears up. Let me tell you about 1816, the year without a summer. Was it really rainy then too? No. I mean like America had snow in July. There were record cold temperatures around the world. Dead crops, frozen wells, monster floods. As one person put it, the weather was just backward. For real? It sounds like some kind of weird science fiction world. Oh, 1816 was so wild it helped inspire the entire genre of science fiction. But let me back up. If I'm going to tell you this story, we got to do it right. Let me just grab my portable campfire. Wait, you have a portable campfire? Yeah, in my closet. Joy, we are in a cabin at Camp Chronology, not your bedroom. I know. Packing stresses me out, so rather than pick and choose, I decided to just pack my whole closet. Let me just pull this door out. How in the... It's a family packing trick. Mary Poppins is a distant aunt. Anyway, here is my closet. And... Oh, where is it? Oh, not that. Gah, I still have that? Ah, here's my campfire. How? And there's a whole elephant in your closet? Of course. Where else are you going to fit an elephant? His name is Hermie. Sup, Hermie? Ah, you want a peanut? No. He said he wants to hear the story of 1816, too. And since you mentioned it, he would also like a peanut. Wow, how'd you get so good at interpreting animals? I use that language app for elephants, Dumbo Lingo. They say elephants are all ears, but they really appreciate it when you listen to them. Oh, and also compliment them. Their love language is words of affirmation. Ha, good one, Hermie. What did he say? It's an elephant ease joke. You wouldn't get it. Well, okay then. All right, Asa and Hermie, the elephant that lives in my closet, gather around and let me tell you about the year without a summer. It all started one year earlier, in the spring of 1815. In the part of the world that's now Indonesia, this volcano called Mount Tambora began to erupt, and this was a big eruption. 100 times bigger than Mount St. Helens, which erupted in the 1980s in Washington state, and a 1,000 times bigger than the volcano that erupted in Iceland in 2010. Yeah, it was so big that the technical scientific term is a colossal eruption. Colossal yikes. And it was as tragic as it was large. The volcano is on the island of Sumbawa, At the time, there were villages around the base, and the eruption pretty much destroyed all of them. Many, many people died, too. 
ash and smoke went everywhere, making it hard to find fresh food. So lots of people ended up moving off the island. That's awful. Truly. Today, we're much better at monitoring volcanoes, so we know when they're more likely to erupt. Plus, we can get warnings to people really quickly and help them move before things get dangerous. But people didn't have that kind of help back then. Hermes says an eruption that size is also really, really rare. Apparently, Hermes minored in volcano studies at Elephant College. But, Joy, what did this giant volcano eruption have to do with cold weather across the planet? Oh, it was the volcano that caused the cold weather. It sent up massive amounts of ash, rock, and gas into the sky. That stuff was blown all around the world. By the following summer, that volcano spew was blocking out so much sunlight that temperatures dropped around the globe. I know. In North America, there were reports of summer blizzards, icy ponds, and frozen birds dropping out of the sky. It would go from normal to near freezing in just a couple hours. In Italy, there was red snow because of all the ash and volcanic gases in the atmosphere. In Hungary, there was brown snow. In China, there was massive floods and there was even snow in tropical Taiwan. Wow. A volcano in Asia could change the weather in places all over the world? It's wild how interconnected this planet is. Absolutely, for real. But people at the time didn't know this. Remember, this is the early 1800s. There were no telephones, no TV, no radio, no cars, no electricity even. Like in Europe and America, picture a time of horse-drawn carriages, steamboats, and gas lamps. Fashionable men in pantaloons and fancy ladies in bodices and hats with long feathers. They definitely didn't have the kind of satellites and scientific equipment we have today. So they had no idea why the weather was weirding out on them. Wait, so what did they think was happening? Oh, they had theories. Some of them are interesting. Some straight-up bananas. Here's a smattering of actual ideas people floated. I blame the ice on the Great Lakes. It's cooling us all off. We must chip it down and put it in our drinks immediately, or it shall freeze us all. No, 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 no. This is divine punishment. We must pray for salvation. You're all wrong. It's because of the end of the wars carried out by French General Napoleon. Without all the gunpowder in the sky, the air is cooling off. We should probably start more wars. Heed me, fellow free thinkers. I have looked at the sun with my mighty telescope, and it appears to have a spot on it. I'm no sun doctor, but this seems like a case of... Sun measles. The sun is sick. It shall die soon. Alas! Alack! Aladdin! Hear me, hear me. I know the true culprit, and it is as dastardly a villain as e'er there was. It's Ben Franklin. It's all his fault. Boo, Ben Franklin, boo! Uh, sir, Ben Franklin's been dead for, like, more than 20 years. Yes, but he made us put up all those infernal lightning rods. He says they're to stop lightning from hitting our homes and burning them up. But they're actually stopping the planet from releasing heat. It's his fault, right? He ruined everything. Franklin's the worst. Yeah! Seems like you really got a beef with Ben Franklin. Yeah, maybe bring that up in therapy or something. No, it's definitely his fault. 
Wait, someone really blamed Ben Franklin? Yeah. Without a real scientific understanding of what was happening, it was hard to come up with an explanation. It wasn't until over 100 years later that scientists figured out that the volcanic eruption caused that weird weather. Imagine something so big happening and being completely in the dark about the science behind it. That's what life was like for most of human history. But most people didn't think so much about the cause as they did about the effect, because 1816 wasn't like today. Today we have restaurants and grocery stores and friendly drivers who bring your ramen with the push of a button. Back then, people mostly grew food for themselves and their communities. And when this freezing summer hit, the crops froze and died. The cost of grain and corn went sky high and a lot of people went hungry. There were even riots. Wow. Okay, now I feel really bad for complaining about some weird rain. That sounds like a much worse summer. It was. But also, during all this hardship, some amazing things happened. Because humans are amazing. They dream, build, and invent when the going gets tough. In fact, it was this cold summer that kicked off ideas that would later change the world for the better. Attention Camp Chronology Campers! The storm is almost over! <gasps> Did you hear that, Joy? Sorry, speaker must have cut out. As I was saying, the storm is almost over the camp. Right above us. Whew, it's really boring. Much like the campers staying in our glamping yurts, the storm is intense. <laughs> Get it? A yurt is like a tent, so they're intense. <clears throat> is this thing on? Anyway, don't go outside. Bye. Okay, I know that wasn't the news you were hoping to hear, but I have something that will take your mind off of it, Asa. How about we pause the story and play a round of... First Things First! That's the game where we try to guess the order things came in history. Since we're at camp, let's look at camp-related stuff. We've got the three Cs, compasses, canoes, and coolers. Specifically, those lightweight ones you store your food in when camping. So, which do you think came first, which came second, and which came most recently in history? Asa, which one of these do you think is the oldest? Maybe canoes. Oh, that's the oldest you think? Why? Um, I see a lot of old people using them. <laughs> oh, no, I think I'm an old person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's probably been around for a long time if they're using it. Yeah. All right, so if you have canoes first, and then we have coolers or compasses. Compasses? Mm-hmm. So we have canoes and then compasses. What do you think compasses came second? Oh, wait, wait. I thought it came... Wait, I thought compasses came first. Oh, okay. So you want compasses to be the oldest? Yeah. So we have compasses first and then canoes or coolers? Canoes. Canoes. They didn't really have you frozen know stuff. Yeah, that's right. Because you have to think about ice, right? Yeah. That's good. I think that was most recent invention. And also compasses help canoes. So maybe they kind of like were a buy one, get one kind of thing. Yeah. That seems logical. So we have compasses, and then canoes, and then coolers. Is that your final answer? Yes. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good guess. <laughs> we'll be back with the answer after the credits. So keep listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, 
making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. You're listening to Forever Ago with me, Joy. And me, Asa. And that's Hermie, the elephant that lives in Joy's closet. Joy, Hermie wants another peanut. And an extra fussy blanket. And some s'mores from your s'mores cannon. Wa-bam! I love using this thing. We're sitting around this indoor portable campfire. Don't worry, it's podcast magic, so it's totally safe. Don't think too hard about it. And I was telling everyone the story of 1816, the year without a summer. So basically, a giant volcanic eruption spat out all this ash and gas, and it clouded the sky around the world, cooling things down a lot. Hermes says that's called a volcanic winter, even if it happens in the summer. Wow, who knew it would be so helpful to have an elephant well-versed in volcanology in my closet? (laughs) Anyway, yes, this volcanic winter caused a very cold summer. Yeah, like so cold. There was literally snow in July. Oh, yeah. Imagine sledding in the summer. Ew, that's got to feel wrong. Like wearing a suit in the shower? Or eating an orange with the peel on. Or seeing a dog stretch and not saying, Ooh, get that stretch. Ooh, that's a good stretch. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) So wrong. But maybe fun? Asa, is there a winter activity you wish you could do year-round? Um, Christmas. Every day. Yeah, every day, yeah. Presents and cookies and turkey or ham. Yeah. And, like, hanging out with people and all that good stuff, too. But also, like, cookies. Absolutely. Well, this chaotic weather also inspired some big changes in the world, some of which went on to do a whole lot of good. Let's start in Germany. So there's this baron with a very barony name. Get ready for it. It's a lot. Karl Friedrich Christian Ludwig Freyerdras von Sorbron. Oh, that is a very long name. Seriously, he was hogging all the names. Now, Carl was as good at inventing things as his name was long. Over the years, he'd come up with a version of a typewriter, a meat grinder, a railway vehicle, and a device for recording piano music. But back in 1816, he ran into a problem that needed the old Carl Dreiss touch. You see, since so many crops had died, people couldn't feed the horses. Egads! All the horses have perished! How will a young lad like myself get around? By foot? That could take days in this year of 1816, in which we don't have things like cars. What even is that word you said, Carl? Car? Car? I have no idea, dear friend. I made it up because it clearly doesn't exist. 
Anyway, without horses, one must procure a new way of getting around. I shall invent something. Carl decided to create something like a horse that didn't need food. He came up with a long machine with handlebars, a padded seat, and two large wooden wheels, one in back and one up front that you could steer. In 1817, he was ready to test it out. Okay, I simply start running. And then hop up on my seat. And ooh, this is a pure delight. I'm gliding along on my new invention. And unlike a horse, it requires no food or grooming. And it leaves no unsightly poopage along the road either. What a truly remarkable thing I have here. Quick, someone take a video. Carl, what is this word? Video? No idea. I must be so excited. I am speaking gobbledygook because this is the year of 1817 and there is no such word as video. But look at me go! Wait, that invention sounds a lot like a bicycle. Bingo! Carl invented the early ancestor of the bicycle. It didn't have any pedals, but many believe this was the start of horseless transport. And like Carl, his invention had a lot of names. It was known as the Laufmaschine, or running machine, the Dresien, the Velocipede, the Hobby Horse, or the Dandy Horse. Do you use a bike, Asa? Well, I used to until I was riding on gravel. And... Um, let's just say I had a little tumble. Oh, no. Oh, no. Did you, like, skin your knees? I I skinned everything. Like, it washed off my birthmarks and... Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, I understand why you wouldn't want to get back on that. I've had a bike in my garage for, like, 10 years, and I swear one day I'm going to take it out. I'm going to take it for a stroll. (laughs) Well, next time you hop on a two-wheeler, think about old Carl and how a summer of bad weather forced him to get creative. Let's meet another big thinker who was influenced by this year. Justus von Liebig was the son of a hardware merchant who sold paint and chemicals. As a kid, he'd watch his father do what's called bucket chemistry. Oh, yeah. That's when you combine ingredients in a bucket to make things like varnishes, paints, polishes, and pigments. So astounding. My papa just adds ingredients in a bucket and they make something totally new. Truly, that is the coolest thing I have ever seen. He fell in love with chemistry and soon had a dream of being a big-time chemist himself. He was only 13 when the year without a summer hit. He lived in Germany, too, like Bear and Carl, and there were lots of farms that lost their crops. People were starving. Eustus saw all this, and it stuck with him. If only there were a way to add ingredients to a bucket and make something that would help bring back the farmlands. That would truly be a miracle. Eustace went to school, studied hard, and eventually became a total chemistry expert. But that memory of failed crops and empty bellies haunted him. So he turned his mind to the problem of growing food. I bet chemistry can unlock the secrets of the soil. Then we could rid the world of crop failure and famine forever. Eustace ended up creating one of the first artificial fertilizers. Oh, like something you can add to plants to help them grow faster and better, even in bad weather. Exactly. Yeah, Hermie, elephant dung makes a great fertilizer. 
But Joy's talking about artificial fertilizers. Like something made in a factory or a lab, not in an elephant's butt. Right. Eustace found that if you add certain chemicals to plants, they grow better. His fertilizers helped kick off the modern age of farming. Thanks in part to him, people the world over can grow more food than ever before. On top of that, he also invented one of the world's first baby formulas. Wow. He really went all in on feeding the world. And he actually seems to have made a huge difference. Now that's what I call career goals. Yeah, Hermie, it is bananas. Oh, you want bananas. Sorry, my elephant is so rusty. What was that app you used again? Here, Hermie. I have one in this picnic I packed for me and Joy. But I guess we're not going to need it now. Hey, we can have a picnic here, inside the cabin. It's practically the same, except, you know, instead of the sky, we have wood. And instead of scenic vistas, we have wood. And instead of the soft forest floor, we have also wood. This cabin is really one note when it comes to decor. Yeah, that sounds fun. Here, I made you this meal. It's the best summer ever burger with ultimate french fries. Like french fries, but like a lot more fun. I even added edible glitter to both of them for ultimate fun. I don't know about you, but I'm having fun just hanging with my pals. And speaking of, I've got one last story for you that involves a few friends stuck inside on a rainy day. Just like us. Exactly. Pass the ketchup. Thanks. Okay, it was 1816, still. And a group of friends went on a vacation to a lake in Switzerland. They were planning on sailing, but the weather turned bad and they ended up stuck inside. Found it. This dastardly weather has conspired to ruin our adventure. Ugh, this is a total sail fail. Oh, go to Switzerland, they said. It'll be fun, they said. Ugh. After they'd read everything they could read and talked about everything they could talk about, they got desperate. If I have to stare at this wall one second longer, I will surely snap. Ah, I know. What if we tell stories? Boring. Scary stories. Like, bone-chilling scary. Like, what if we try to make up the scariest story ever and see who wins? Okay, I'm listening. The group took some time and plotted out the creepiest, spookiest, blood-curdlingest stories they could think of. Then they shared their tales of terror. One of them came up with an idea that was truly horrifying. It was about a brilliant scientist who bent the laws of nature in a twisted way. He takes dead material and adds to it the spark of life, creating something not quite man, but tall, lumbering with long black hair. It stares at its maker with a dull yellow eye. Is it a monster? Um, do you mind if we light a few more lamps? I'm not scared. It's just I think I'd like to be able to see what's in the corners of the room a little better. That storyteller was Mary Shelley, and her story became her masterpiece novel, Frankenstein. It was one of the first stories ever to blend scientific ideas with wild fantasy. Some say it was the first true work of science fiction. Okay, that's super cool. Imagine if we never had that story. Just think of all the movies we might miss out on. 
Right, Hermie. And all the Frankenstein's monster Halloween costumes we literally wouldn't have. Exactly. And it's very possible Mary Shelley would have never dreamed it up if the weather was nice and calm as expected. You know, this is making me feel better. About the storm? No. About 2020. Yeah. It was tough to miss out on so much. And it was really, really hard for so many people. But what if it sparked some good changes? Like, what if we look back after a few decades and we see that, just like with 1816, us humans innovated and invented after 2020? And what if that made the whole world a better place? I like that thought. I really hope so. Attention, campers. I've got some bad news. I've lost my lucky sandals. They're green and they're usually on my feet and... Oh, look at that. I'm wearing them. Crisis averted. Oh, and the rain stopped. You can go outside now. Bye. You hear that? Summer's back on. (laughs) Woo! Yes, it's not too late. Now let's get out there and make the most of it. That's right. It's time for... Ultimate fun! Ah, I love laying by a lake. It's the perfect vibe. I'll just be here for the next three or four months. Yeah, it feels so good to soak up that sun. (sighs) You know, learning about the year without a summer really made me appreciate things. Yeah, like how when a big volcano erupts, we're all affected. And how we're all more connected than we think. That volcano may have turned the weather backward, making it so cold in the summer that it snowed and crops died. But it didn't stop humans from dreaming and scheming. We learn and grow from tough times. Well said. Now can you pass me that book I... Oh no, it's one of those hungry bears from before. Don't worry, Asa. I got this. Hey, bear, you want to eat something? Well, chew on this. S'more cannon! This episode was written by Sandon Totten with production help from Molly Bloom, Anna Goldfield, Nico Gonzalez-Whistler, Aron Waldeslasi, Rosie DuPont, Ruby Guthrie, and Anna Wagle. It was edited by Shayla Farzan. Sound design by Rachel Breeze. Theme music by Mark Sanchez. Beth Perlman is our executive producer. We had engineering help from Alex Simpson, Zach Haney, and Anna Haverman. The executives in charge of APM Studios are Chandra Kavadi, Joanne Griffith, and Alex Shafford. Special thanks to Raymond New, Vernon Neal, and Brant Miller. Have a topic that you really want to know the history of? Send it to us at foreverago.org slash contact. Okay, Asa, ready to hear the answers for first things first? Let's do it. Okay, just a reminder, you said compasses, canoes, and coolers. Yeah. So let's see what the truth is. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, you were right the first time. It's canoe. Canoe was first. What? Yeah, canoe is at least 10,000 years old. 10,000? I know. It's hard to say when exactly the canoe was first invented, but the oldest one found so far is called the Peche Canoe. 
It was found in the village of Peche in what is now the Netherlands. Archaeologists think it's not just the oldest canoe, but the oldest boat of any kind. It was a single hollowed-out tree log. Other similar dugout canoes, also thousands of years old, have also been discovered in present-day Nigeria and China. The English word canoe comes from the Taino word canoa. The Taino people lived in the Caribbean before the Spanish arrived and traveled between islands in dugout canoes. First of all, I did not know anything like that about canoes. I knew they were made from trees, but I didn't know they were like, (laughs) they were like in China and Nigeria. (laughs) Mind blown. Well, that was the first. And then second, which you were correct on, was compasses. And that was made in the 11th century. Oh. Yeah. Historians think China may have been the first civilization to develop a magnetized compass for navigation. Civilizations in Europe followed, developing their own compasses by the 12th century. Because people in these civilizations would have been skilled at navigating using the sun or stars, early compasses were probably a backup to be used when it was cloudy. (laughs) I think I I would use a compass. I get lost all the time. (laughs) So last but certainly not least is coolers. Yes. Coolers, which you were also right about, Asa, high five. They were made in the 1950s. Oh. Humans have found ways to keep food cool for millennia, but a smallish, lightweight box that keeps your sodas and sauerkraut chili, that's pretty new. In 1951, Richard C. Laramie filed a patent for a portable ice chest for storing food and the like. This portable ice box quickly became a household staple for lots of people there. Lots of other coolers have hit the market since then. Today, you can get ones that charge your phone or play music. Wow. Isn't that something? Were you surprised by any of those answers? I was very surprised. I I don't know how they made canoes. Maybe the first one looked like really weird, but then like it started evolving. Probably like that. <laughs> what if the first one was just like an actual trunk that they just sat on and they didn't like carve it or anything? Yeah. <laughs> they just floated down the water. They just on stood on trunk. it, like not saying a word. <laughs> yeah. Straight ahead, dead face. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with an episode all about the history of pride flags. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.